You know, I was reading this book between coming back from Nigeria and just reading this book. I was just yesterday. I kind of almost spazzed out on planet Earth. I was just in another dimension. And I was keenly aware that um, I was something different than what Christianity has made us to be. And uh, that the reality that I am a king just began to set in and what that means, you know, um, there is a uh, Netflix movie that I watch called The King. It's very interesting. It's about a young boy who he's basically basically out there just for lack of a better phrase or word, just living for the devil. And uh, and his dad was getting ready to die, the king. And but they didn't really consider him because of the style, lifestyle that he was living. And uh, so they decided to make the younger son king, but he didn't have what it took to be a king. So it's just interesting to see the he to me befits. He just fits the narrative of what I think a king is, um, how he's for everybody, but many times is alone. But just to see the uh, courage and the wisdom and the boldness that he had as a king, um, that was an amazing thing to see. And just certain parts of it, when he had to give a speech in front of his army and uh, and something that happened at the end. I love stuff like that. So, you know, I love movies about kings, you know, and, and yet anything that you see about a king uh, is extremely low level uh, because those are worldly kings. And uh, and then on top of that, the Bible says that not only are we kings, it says we're also priests, it says we're more than conquerors. It says that we are sons of light. We are sons of God. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It calls us the salt of the earth. The Bible calls us eagles. It calls us lions. It's amazing, you know, that who we are is so uh, big that it can't be fit into one label. And, uh, you know, I'm saying you got to go around marching. You know, we not Christians. We not Christians. We, you know, you got to do all of that. Like, just, just leave all of that alone. But in the Bible, God never called us Christians. It says the people did. And there's nothing wrong with the term. It just means to be a Christ follower. You know, but God called us kings. He didn't call us Christians. Jesus died to make you a king, not a Christian. Any terms that we have, Christian, uh, even a disciple, um, uh, pastor, apostle, prophet, all those little things, those are little small things. Those are temporary titles. But the eternal title that you will have is a king. And there's no such thing as a king who has no authority. There's no such thing as a king that's broke. And there's no such thing as a king who doesn't have subjects. So, you know, these labels and things that will give us a little bit of insight into the afterlife. And so if we're supposed to rule and reign with Christ and we are kings, the question is, who are we ruling over? So it's very ignorant to think that God has stopped creating beings. We are the only individuals in the universe and dimensions beyond that are made in the image of Christ. But it's very ignorant to think that God has not other create creations you know, just from following men that are a little bit deeper than me, they talk about right now, <coughs> there are dimensions where angels are just simply guarding that dimension from darkness until we come along. There's a reason why all of the planets are empty. You know, it gets over into that. But I just, uh, this, this book did a number on me in a good way. And I just, I mean, yesterday I was just trying my, I mean, it was like I was in another dimension and I begin to think about what it really means to be a king. And how Jesus died for us to be kings and lords. Says he's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. I mean, that's a lot of serious titles. When you're going to call somebody a lord, a king, 
a God. Jesus said, did not we call you gods? He said that twice in scripture. You know, um, and one of my favorite is sons of light. I know when we cast out demons, uh, many a times they don't refer to Jesus as Jesus. They refer to him as the son of light or the first begotten son of light. Everything in the kingdom is about light. You know, more than conquerors, which I still don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to be a conqueror. It's another thing. And you got to remember, these are labels that God put on us. So it's different if a man puts that label. When God puts that label, it's like, what? watch this. What is waiting on the other side that requires all of them titles in one man? You understand what I'm saying? That's insane. So, so, so you know, I want to put up this book. I'm going to get right into it. Just kind of just share with you my heart, read a few graphics and scriptures. Um, I encourage everyone to get this book here. Um... Um, I say, I say, okay. <laughs> so I'm just always messing with them. That's Living with Eternity in Sight, Heavenly Rewards by Mark Hitchcock. Um, it's not too many books on the most important subject in the Bible. Um, I'm probably about 75% through that one. And I just think it is one of the most excellent reads that I have ever read concerning that subject. Um, very detailed, very easy to understand, tells a lot of stories, gives a lot of examples, you know, and let me say something is that, uh, there are certain books that of course you don't have to get. There are certain books that if I suggested and you don't get it, you'll hurt yourself. You know, people say, what is that term? Uh, what you don't know won't hurt you. No, what you don't know might kill you. And in this case, what you don't know might mess up your eternity forever. I don't need my eternity to be messed up. You know, and so I'm going to quote a few things from that book. I'm, I got to find this way to kind of merge teaching the subjects, those the 12 pillars along with the nine fruit of the spirit and merging this in. And so, uh, but this is of vast importance. Um, I got to figure out a way to come back around and teach it. I'm going to teach it a little bit on tonight because midweek we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. It'll still blow your mind to know, realize how many people don't know that the Holy Spirit is an actual person. They think he's a feeling. They think that he's somebody that makes you shout. That is not true. Some of you have gone to churches where they say they caught the Holy Ghost. You catch, can't catch something that you already have, uh, number one. Number two is not an it. He's a he. Number three, the Holy Spirit does not make you do anything. If the Holy Ghost makes you shout in the service, he got to make me live right. <laughs> he got to make me eat vegetables instead of pizza. You know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit doesn't make you anything. That's people being emotional. And there's nothing wrong with emotion. You see that at a football game. One guy's enjoying the game, he will be quiet for the entire game. Another guy's enjoying the game, he just puts his hand up. Yes! Boom, you hear that? And as I always say, you always got the guy with a pair of drawers on and a Viking hat. Half his body painting. Emotional. Ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. It's just that all of us are more emotional than others. You know what I'm saying? And so when the Holy Spirit can comes, in, <laughs> comes in, sometimes you will see women do stuff like this. Because women are more feelers like that. You'll see them doing that, you know, and it's them trying to contain a stronger measure of the spirit, you know. But um, but you have to get, unfortunately, you know, of course, we do a good job of, without trying to be negative, of changing this culture of, you know, a, a, a reverend lays hands on you and the Holy Ghost knock you down. No, you didn't. You fell down. And I always noticed over the years I had a problem with somebody laying hands on you. You fall down, but you got up sick again. Yes. I call that fake. Okay. You call that the Holy Ghost. 
<laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to throw that one in, but that's what I was doing, sitting in the back of the sanctuary with a bag of potato chips. <clears throat> so, you know, heaven does not like fake. It likes real. And so we're going to share a few things with you. Um, so, you know, um, we have to do a better job with this subject. This book kind of really messed me up. It just really, really, it just really, really messed me up. So let's, let's, let's just get into it. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. <laughs> it's an amazing scripture. God shows his face and the universe tries to run away. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books were open, including the book of life. So there are many different types of books. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. First death is your physical body stops working. Second death is you're separated from God forever. Okay. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Everyone say, that's not me. Because I'm going up. Yes. So you see here, there's one master book called the book of life. And once you give your life to Christ, um, this is a mysterious thing. I don't know if any of you have noticed this. So we don't know if your name is already there and it gets erased if you don't accept Jesus or if it's not there and your name is written because the scripture seems to say both because it talks about that your name won't be erased out of the book. I don't care. All I know is your name is supposed to be in the book. <laughs> How about that? You know what I mean? Our erasers with my name. <laughs> I need y'all to put this. Don't use no invisible ink, pencil, pen, crayon, <laughs> marker, everything, paint, lit yeah, I need my name in that book okay but the scripture makes it clear that you give your life to Christ everyone's name is put you know what y'all this is going to sound so strange I think after tonight you'll begin to see we almost have to redo Christ, what we call Christianity and, and I think that's part of what messed me up I'm just like there's a vast difference between what this says and what they I don't understand. I mean, I was really messed up. I'm just like, it's like they're two different type of Bibles. So it's one book with your name. The other book has your deeds. <clears throat> While the other books have your deeds. We know from past teaching, there's one book with your name on there called the Book of Tears. Bible says that when you cry, says an angel takes your tears, puts them in the bottle, takes them up to heaven. <laughs> I tell people that that, that, that that does not say that in the Bible. And I show it to them, they're like, mm, I need to read more. Yeah. <laughs> it says that they take those tears and pour them on pages and they become words. I mean, that's every single tear, including the one that just came out of my ear. Yeah. You think it dissipated, it didn't. It's taken to heaven and puts on a book. And, 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 and they write down the emotion that I had and why that tear came in. That's insane. Okay. You had a book of remembrance. These are books that are written, as the scripture says in Malachi, about people who constantly think upon the name of the Lord and talk about the right thing and not the wrong thing. 
Okay, but here you see the works. First Corinthians three nine through fifteen. This is just I just did these two passages for a rehearsal. A reminder, for we are both God's workers, that's one teaching. You are God's field, that's another teaching. You are God's building, that's a third teaching. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one we have already laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. When I read this scripture today, I still can't believe it says what it says. It says, <laughs> you may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. I'm going to read it again. Three substances that your words and your actions, six substances that your words and actions are put in. Gold, silver, and jewels, wood, hay, and straw. But on judgment day, judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if any person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Why? Because he accepted Jesus. But he'll be saved like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. Now, based on this and other scriptures, this is insane. This lets you know that heaven is not a completed place. Neither is hell, by the way. The Bible says hell constantly enlarges itself to receive the people that are coming to inhabit the place. Don't know that because I won't be going there. <laughs> I don't need to see that. I don't need a vision. I don't need a revelation. I don't need nothing. As soon as you talk about flames, that's it. Okay. So, but the scripture teaches very clearly here and other places that you're being watched and recorded every day and everything that you say and do is put into six categories, gold, silver, and jewels, which are the three categories of good decisions, wood, hay, and stubble, categories of bad. Then it says all day, those substances are being converted up to heaven and you're building an actual building. Can you imagine looking at everyone's building in planet earth and it's constantly evolving every day with six different materials? And then the day you die or when the end comes, you got to stand in front of it. The thing might be half the size of planet Earth or it might be half the size of the universe. I don't know because you are attaching to it every single day. Then Jesus is there. The angel is there. He says, OK, torch it. And everything in your building that represents every single second of your day that is made out of gold, silver and jewels will stay. Everything that's made out of wood, hay and straw will get burned up. The gold, silver, and the Jews is not the reward. You get a reward for the gold, silver, and the Jews. Because in heaven, gold, silver, and Jews is a mundane substance. It means nothing to them. That's why they pave their roads with it. You got me? Okay. Right, right. And so for any of you that have never heard this before, you see the positive gold, silver, Jews, negative wood, hay, straw. Like the Bible says, the wicked shall be burned up like straw. You add fire to all six, these three purified, these three uh, they get burned up. And the categories of good, again, the scripture says it this way, hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Says it another way, that which is perfect, that which is good, that which is acceptable. Gold, silver, jewels. See it in a race, first place, second place, third place. See it in the grading system, A, B, C. You see it in the Olympics, gold, silver, bronze. List goes on and on and on and on and on. Good decisions are always in three. Weak, good, and perfect. How many know? You should be striving for perfect every single day. Y'all got me. That in and of itself is insane. 
because what you said today and what you did today and how you treated people day today and how you made decisions today were put into those six categories and added to your building upstairs. And the problem with that is, how many of you know, you can remember the moment, but you can't remember last week. And that's a very scary thing if you're not living your life on purpose to just be living your life raggedy and you're forgetting what you're doing. So anyway, look at this graphic. I might have erased this graphic. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I did, but I'll read it anyway. Blood-washed believers will be spotless in God's sight, but not all will have the same service record. God is after obedience. Salvation gets us to heaven but works determine what we do after we get there. i pause a moment. These are some graphics that I have taken from this book. I don't care nothing about giving the book away. You need to know this stuff now. I'm going to start ordering some of these books. I think this is going to be very important for us to flood the market with these books because people have no idea about the other side. This next graphic, I'm saying the same thing several different ways. It says, your belief determines where you will spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you will spend eternity. Okay, you believe in Jesus Christ, you're allowed to go to heaven. Why? Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm one of many ways. He said, I am the door. He didn't say nothing about, I'm one of many doors. This little ignorant, demonic philosophy that there are many ways to heaven. Why? Have you been there? Jesus said, I am the way. If you can get to heaven another way, it means Christianity is false. If there were no false religions, it means Christianity is false. Because Jesus said, I'm the only way. But after I disappear, he said, many false religions will pop up. So if you didn't have other religions out here, it would still make Christianity false. And I'm going to say the third thing, which is, if you can get to heaven another way, I can't trust Jesus because you're crazy. Why are you going to die and there's another way to heaven? You understand what I'm saying? You're going to go through all of that torment and there's another way? No, that's somebody trying to, the Bible comes to steal, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You accept Jesus Christ, that's how you get there. But after you accept Jesus Christ, how you behave will determine how you live forever. Next graphic. Salvation is based on Christ's work for us. That's why salvation is free. He did that for you. But rewards are based on our works for him. That's not free. Y'all got me? So salvation is based on what Christ works for us. He died on the cross and paid the price for us. Salvation is free. It's not of works. You can't do nothing. You can go to church every single day. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You can give all of the money in the bank. Doesn't mean a thing. You can shake the preacher's hand and you just might end up with some type of disease if he didn't wash his hands. That ain't got nothing to do with salvation. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. You cannot work your way to heaven because he already did the work. It's free. It is free. You accept him, you get there. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the door. You get there. But when you step in the door, your lifestyle forever is dependent on what you did for him. Next graphic. Salvation comes by belief. Rewards come by behavior. You got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But in order for you to get rewarded on the other side, what determines if you get a mansion or a tool shed will be based on your behavior. <laughs> One of the things that's crazy, y'all, about Christianity, how many know a man that dies for you so that you don't, go have, to go, don't have to go to hell uh, doesn't owe you anything? But yet, after they saved us, 
they then give us an incentive to live right. Ain't got to give no incentive to live right. Live right or bust hell wide open. There's your choice right there. There it is. No, they give you incentive. Everything that you do good that's hard, you're going to get a reward for. I can do that all day long. Next graphic. Faith in Christ determines where we spend eternity. Works for Christ determine how we spend eternity. I think I read that one. Our next graphic says our eternal destination where we will be is determined by our belief. Our eternal compensation, what we will have, is determined by our behavior every day. And, you're, and see, let me tell you something. Payment in the kingdom is retro. How I many you know it ain't nothing like a nice retroactive check? Now, you, what, you know what a retroactive check? Okay, you wasn't getting paid right then. You might have even been set. You might have been going through some things. But it was stacking up, stacking up. So when they gave you that retro check, you were like, yeah, I think I could do this again. I didn't know. Crazy thing is, if they hadn't kept the money back, you might not have been able to get the thing you got with the retro check. <clears throat> Next graphic. Construction first, blueprints second. That's how most people are living their life in planet Earth and experiment. Let's build the house first without looking at the. How many of y'all seen somebody, and I got to keep my hand up, that they put something together before reading the directions? And then act crazy when they wonder why the vacuum cleaner won't work. And you got to go back to the directions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that when it comes to a bicycle, the tires are supposed to be on the ground and not on the handlebars. Okay, and, and you understand what I'm saying? But most people are living their lives like an experiment. They're just building it, and they'll look at the blueprint. By the time they start looking at the blueprint when their life is towed up too much. When I have too many problems, then I'm going to start looking at maybe what I'm doing wrong. You're supposed to look at the blueprint first. So because of this backwards way of thinking, people are building their lives without consulting the divine blueprints. They're following their own desires, opinions, taste, choice, choices. It's construction first, blueprints afterward. We see the chaos that results from this kind of construction all around us in culture. Families are falling apart and the moral and social fabric of our society is completely unraveling by the second. Next, I want to read something to you. This is kind of like what people are kind of doing with their life. This is a true story, by the way. It says, after laboring for months writing the French Revolution, Thomas Carlyle took his manuscript to his friend, John Stuart Mill, for his evaluation. Mill passed the manuscript on to a woman named Miss Chapman, who read it by a fireplace on the evening of March 5th, 1834. Before retiring to bed, she laid the manuscript on the mantel. Everybody say, uh-oh. Okay. Oh, y'all can just hang out in the back. Damien. <laughs> Just hang out in the back. You don't have to leave. <clears throat> Where am I at? Oh, it says early the next morning, a servant girl came to clean the room and start a fire in the fireplace. Not knowing what the papers were, she used the manuscript to kindle a fire. Months of tedious work was burned up in a matter of seconds. That's how it will be for many at the judgment seat. Years of life and labor will go up in flames because they were done for the wrong reason. Many will face the ashes of a worthless and a wasted life. 
Hallelujah. I did not know about this at all, this next story I'm going to share with you. I was greatly appalled. It is straight demonic, but it lets you know that this true story about this lady's home is also how the enemy is messing people up. Um, <clears throat> one of the strangest houses in America is known as the Winchester House in San Jose, California. You ever heard of this home? I couldn't believe this. I'm like, where have I been? It's the Winchester home. It was built by Sarah Winchester, who inherited 20 million from her husband, who made his wealth producing the famous Winchester rifles. Her only daughter died a mere five weeks after birth and out of grief or possibly guilt, Sarah became obsessed with the occult. She embarked on an epic building project after being told by a medium slash witch that as long as she continued to add on to her house, she would not die. That's a terrible thing to do to someone. <clears throat> the original structure was an eight-room farmhouse. She hired 16 carpenters and put them to work. For the next 38 years, the craftsmen labored every day, 24 hours a day, to build a mansion. Observers were intrigued by the project. Sarah's instructions were more than eccentric. They were eerie. Each window was to have 13 panes, each wall 13 panels, each closet 13 hooks, and each chandelier 13 globes. All through the house are mindless twists and turns. Corridors snake randomly, some leading nowhere. One door opens to a blank wall, another to a 50-foot drop. One set of stairs leads to a ceiling that has no door. There are trap doors, secret passageways, and tunnels. You can look this up later. This is all true information. <clears throat> the completed estate sprawls over six acres and has six kitchens. Six acres. She built that thing where it covered six acres. Has six kitchens, 13 bathrooms, 40 stairways, 47 fireplaces, 52 skylights, 467 doors, 10,000 windows, and a bell tower. The making of this mysterious mansion ended when Sarah died. After her death, it took eight trucks working full time for over a period of 40 days to haul away just the leftover building materials in the junk. But like Sarah Winchester, each of us is building a house. When we die, our project will be finished. When the Lord calls us home to heaven, our handiwork will be inspected. The question for each one of us is this. What kind of house are we building every day? Will it stand in the final day? Are you building a house with stairways to nowhere? Random skylights? Pointless doors? Unnecessary tunnels? And rooms with no purpose? Or are you building a lasting, rewardable life on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Okay? This is very, very important stuff. I'm realizing more and more that in some ways, I, I what can I put this? Because I live, live such a clean lifestyle, um, I think I got too much caught up in the fact of, because I know that I'm live right. I know I'm living right. Therefore, I can be a little bit too unconcerned about my life because I know I'm living right. 
when just because I'm living right doesn't mean I'm not supposed to be paying attention to details. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and so it's very scary when you actually think about, okay, one day I'm going to stand in front of the Lord and every second of my life is going to be reviewed. And they're going to give me a reward based on what I did with my life. Now, your life before Christ doesn't count. That's very important. Your life before Christ doesn't count because the Bible says, if any man accepts Christ, he's a what? New creature. Old things are what? So you can't get a reward for something that passed away. Thank God. I don't need my old life being reviewed. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't none of us need our own life being reviewed. If you knew your old life was being reviewed, you stay right down here on planet Earth. You know what I'm mean? just burn me up with the rest of the earth, Jesus. I don't even want you to see. Okay? But it's very, very serious. I told you about the young lady that was in heaven. <clears throat> and um, she was, uh, the angel told her to stand here a moment. I'm going to go get the guy that you want to meet. She was standing there and she saw what she called like a little small childlike spirit. Um, playing in the sand and the child said you know you, while you're waiting would you come over and build sand castles with me and she was like no I don't have time for that I don't have time with that and um, she said no just come on just be here for a moment and the, and the lady said no I don't want to waste time it's just a waste of time I'm here for more important matters and the little girl's name was crystal clear the reason her name she's been named crystal clear is that because when you talk to her she makes things crystal clear so that's her name in heaven and so when she told her that, no, I don't want to build sandcastles because I'm here for something more important, you know, that's a waste of time. And the little small child spirit said, well, that's very interesting. She says, you don't want to play sandcastles with me, but that's all you're doing in planet Earth. Building stuff that's never going to last. We watch you up here and we're looking at your projects. And it means absolutely, you're not going to get a reward for this, 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 this. So it's the equivalent of building a castle in the sand. And when the tide comes in, it washes it all away. I'm not going to heaven with that testimony, folk. And let me say something. If heaven is going to reward you, you best believe that you're going to have to let go of some stuff down here. It's one thing to be rewarded down here. It's another thing when the God of the universe has set aside stuff for you that they say you should leap, jump, and rejoice over now. Man, please. And it makes gold look like trash. Most people will rob somebody for some gold. Hey. <clears throat> Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Again, that's classic scripture for abortion you know it's amazing to see people that are so quick to kill somebody especially the ones that want to kill somebody kill the child at nine months it's my body no it's not it's another child's body yes. it's not your body it's no it's you killing another body yes. but you know what they're trying to change the terminology you know what don't argue with people like that because they actually in their hearts know exactly what they're doing it's the spirit of murder now, is something that I knew you have people that have done that and the Lord forgiven them. There's a difference between someone that's done that in the past versus that you marching down the street so that we can keep on killing. You know, it's just truly unbelievable. Over 60 million children have been aborted in the United States, over a billion in the world. Since they start keeping count. <laughs> that's since they start keeping count. You, you know, but again, 
the main reason for abortion is really not a woman trying to get rid of a child. It's Satan using people to shed innocent blood so that darkness can be empowered. Demons tell us that. So the main reason for abortion. We got to convince. And watch this. It's also the main reason why everybody's trying to figure out why the problem in Chicago can't stop and everybody killing each other. It's a spirit that makes trying to get. They got to keep shed blood, 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 any means necessary. Get blood shed because in, in whatever you do in the natural realm, it converts to something in the other realm. So blood converts into power. That's why the Bible says Jesus shed his blood and it has empowered us. We're having because of his blood. Man, it says that you cannot fail anymore. It says you rule and reign forever. Blood is the most precious commodity in the universe. Second best thing, if you can't get Jesus' blood, is the blood of an innocent child. In the Old Testament, they gave birth to him and then threw him in the fire. Today, we don't even give birth. We just kill them before they come out the womb. All in the name of freedom and rights and whatever else that you want to say. Can you imagine? And I, look, like I always say it. Because I'm not going to be long. I expect worldly people that don't know Christ to be that dumb and ignorant and blind and everything else. I expect them to be murderers. What I don't expect is to some guy preaching out of one of these. What? Let me get this right. We represent life. Being born again. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy and you got a clergy title and you can't get that right? Like I said, just because they got a title don't mean that they got heaven backing. And, and so the Bible says by your fruits, you would know their roots. They got a big church. Mm-hmm. Church of Satan is big too. Church of Satan is bigger than most evangelical churches, truth be told. Anyway, let me. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. So God is watching the child in the womb that you decide to rip out. You saw me before I was born. Separate teaching. You existed before you came here every day of my life was recorded in your book mm. every moment was laid out before a single day has passed that's a problem scripture right there folk man born that way woman born that way get together and get busy that way and then the seed goes into the egg and then God plants a spirit in the seed but before he planted it there was a book that was written about what that seed was supposed to do. I'm not sending you down there nilly willy. This is what you are supposed to do. Did, did not you just read it said every moment is spelled out? Every moment. So now hence, you don't know how to do this. That's why the main reason the Holy Spirit has been given to you so that you would have a relationship with him. And he would teach you what to do every day so that you would fulfill the book. Amen. That's why it says those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Led. Hey, it's a, I mean, I mean, I mean you got to realize that you know, it's a book up there with your name on it. 
Satan's job is to make sure that you do everything except for what that book says. There's something that you're supposed to accomplish next week. And it already says it in the book because your week is already spelled out in the book. Our job is to make sure that you don't do nothing in that book so that when you stand before the Lord, okay, you may not ever see me, but at least you know I got in quite a few licks and made you lose your reward. Can you imagine that? When you stand before God, there'll be one book that God wrote. Then there'll be another that you wrote. And then they got to compare and see if they are the same. <laughs> I need, never mind, I'm just trying to make sure I get in. Jesus, help me follow the day. I, see, and see, uh, somewhere along the line, you got to start reading this stuff and say, okay. And that's where I was yesterday. I've always known the word of God is true. But yesterday, I think I came to this stark reality of I really knew it was true. And, and just the reality of that just kind of made me just get real numb to the fact that every single thing in here is going to be brought up when I stand before God. How many of you ever took a test and, and, and the teacher told you, you know, we're having a test on this Friday? And you're like, until he said, but I'm going to give you the answers to the test so that you can't fail. And you're like, oh, okay, man, this is wonderful right here. Jesus. Hey, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been, or it's an open book test, you know? So usually you hear open book, but there are a few situations you've been in where the teachers are like, I just want everybody to pass. So the only way that you'll fail is if you're absolutely lazy. I'm going to give you the answers to the test so that you know what to study so that you can get an A. That's what God did in here. He said, you're going to stand before me, but I'm going to give you an answer. I'm going to give you the answers to all of the, I'm going to give you an answer to everything so that you can get your full reward, so that you can get an A. Because I died for you to get an A, not a B, not a C. And since I died for you to get an A, I'm going to die for you, but I'm also give you the answer to all of the tests. So you know exactly what to do in order to get an A+. And then guess what we do? Wonderful. I'm still not going to read it. John 16, 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't handle it now. Oh, man. That's another problem. Wherever you are right now is not where the Lord wants you to be. Whatever you know right now, there's more that they haven't told you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He'll tell you about the future. Now, why is he telling you what he's heard? Who is he hearing it from? Jesus. Well, what is Jesus telling about you? What's in the book? So the thing that you have to realize is sometimes you don't watch this. Do any of you know what the book says? Mm -mm. You know what this book says. But this book coincides with the other book with your name on it. And if you could just obey this book, you'll actually automatically fulfill the other book. Because the first book is actually written based on this book. Okay. The Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that you fulfill both. And because you don't know what the book upstairs says, some of his instructions are going to be quite strange sometimes. You know, and so that's why sometimes you kind of feel like you're supposed to go over here. And that's why some of you, you want to leave your job. <clears throat> you want to leave your job, but you know, good and well, the Holy Ghost is just like, no, I just want you to stay. 
at this job. Okay, and you're like, well, I don't want to stay at this job. Well, I need you to stay at this job because you staying at this job has something to do with the book upstairs. And my job is to keep you in line with both books, not the one in your mind. The Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that you get your full reward. That's why he'll tell you about the future so that you can prepare now. <laughs> he'll tell you about the future because I want you to think about it. There's a book written that always that says what, how long you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to accomplish. There are certain checkpoints. So that's why it's so weird. I got to stop saying weird. That's why it's so mysterious about are you the poor and I. That's just a strange with all of the numbers that line up in, because it's in the book. That's why I haven't, I haven't made anything happen. The fact that I go on the other side of the planet and it just happened to meet the right driver who works for him. I go on the other side of the planet and Bishop Oyedipo calls me off the audience. The dream, that has nothing to do with me. It just happens to be in a book. So that's why praying in tongues is about. Praying in tongues is praying the mysteries concerning the book. Are y'all still with me? Ephesians 1.13. In him, you also, who, uh, I did this in two versions. This is the more complex one. In him, you also, who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings <clears throat> of your salvation, and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. That spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge, the foretaste, the down payment on our heritage and our participation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's read that same passage from the New Living Translation that makes it a little bit more simpler. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Okay? So now, the Holy Spirit's job is to get you the full inheritance because he's just a small part of it. That's so... You got to really... You, you can't handle it, but you got to really think for a second. Okay, wait a minute. What is on the other side? What is waiting for us on the other side? What did Jesus actually die for? You actually think he just died for you to live in planet Earth. No, he died for you to become something forever. What is on the other side where the Holy Ghost is the down payment? I'm sorry, I'm just kind of pausing for a moment. What is on the other side where the Holy Ghost is the down payment? See, how many know, on this side, if you were the president of the United States, you would be somebody. You know, if you were like the cutting-edge businessman, you would be somebody. If you were a doctor, if you were a lawyer, that comes with a certain amount of, you know, status and, and pomp and circumstance. And, you know, um, but still today in planet Earth, kings are greatly and highly respected, like Queen Elizabeth. She don't do nothing but just look good all day long and just, I don't know how old the woman is. The woman might be 153, but she still look good. <laughs> Go out on a new dress every day. I don't even know if the woman is aging. You know what I'm saying? Queen. King. But so you got to ask yourself, really, who am I for real? 
you got to ask yourself, who am I for real where God dies for me? Instead of just starting over. He could have just started over like we were just animals or something. God dies for me by sending his son to die for me. When his son dies for me, he then gives me his name to use like I am him. Then he doesn't change my title. He gives me multiple titles. One of those titles in planet earth means you reign. If you are a priest, high level. King, high level. Lord, high level. More than conqueror. I guess that's a high level general that then kicked everybody's behind. High level. You understand what I'm saying? God. That's extremely high level. God is so high level that most Christians won't even accept that label from their father. That's how high level that went. When Jesus said, did not I say you are God? Y'all won't believe it. We do. Y'all don't. So the question is, what's waiting on the other side? That requires us to have all them titles at the same time. It's so big on the other side. Whatever is waiting for us on the other side, that Satan is working on you every day to make sure that you can't get it. And they placed the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help you get it all because it's so big he's just a I'm sorry we reading the wrong Bible or something I mean you have to sit there and just sometimes you just got to sit there and look in the mirror the Lord made me a king and see right now it's, it's, it's kind of preaching on this this little phony, weak type of frivolous, we kings in the name of Jesus. Just stop. Just stop with all that crap. I'm, me personally, and I told you, the more I understand who I am, the more I feel like a king and less like a pastor. This pastor is temporary. King is forever. Which means everybody got a throne. No such thing as a king without a throne. Ain't no such thing as a king without subjects. Ain't no such thing as a king that has a royal rule over a certain area. Maybe what we call the universe only belongs to Bishop Ricky. And maybe there are a billion other universes and one of them got your name on it. All I know is, is that whatever is on the other side requires all of them titles at the same time. That's insane to me. And it requires all of them titles at the same time. And what's so big? The Holy Ghost, which is a part of the tr- Trinity, is the down payment. God is the down payment. Talking about we can't live for him. You must be crazy. There's nobody in planet Earth that's going to make you one of those, let alone all of them. You can go to Burger King all you want to and get one of the little fake things and put it on your head. I'm a king. Ain't nobody listening to you. <laughs> your only subjects will be those that you're giving free whoppers to. That's about it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So when you get that book, you got to read that sucker slowly. You got to read the scriptures. And you got to think. Because a masterful job has been done on us. To live for ourselves. And not for the king. And it's a difference to live for the king and you're just a subject. It's another thing to live for the king who made you a king. That's not even, 
That don't even sound right. A king who makes you a king. The king makes you a king and a priest. He makes you a king, priest, and more than a conqueror. He makes you a king, priest, more than a conqueror. He makes you light and makes you a god. Gives you his neck. I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I do it myself. Don't get me wrong. But that's, that's in some ways why I don't like little, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying you should stop, but you know, the, that little, you know, the church would want to do it. I don't like that type of stuff because that's not how kings talk. Yes, yes. Kings say this, it's done. Yes, yes. That's how kings talk. Yes. They don't want to do it. No, that's not. <laughs> no. And it's not a whole lot of royalty in the kingdom of God. It's just not. I'm sorry. Y'all understand what I'm saying, though, don't you? <laughs> they give me trouble. <laughs> Let me go ahead and close it down. <clears throat> You're going to have to. I hate to say this. I really do. Try my nice to be the best pastor in the world. But unfortunately, in order for you to actually fulfill everything that God wants you to do, you're going to almost have to connect from the world and the church. Because both of them are crazy. After all, Jesus only argued with religious folk. He didn't argue with any sinners. All right. I don't even know what scripture. I got caught up in. Oh, yeah, I read that already. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. See, again, it gets back to the high level. See, you're so high level, we can't give you one title. We got to give you all of ours. You're so high level on this side and the other, we have to give you the name of Jesus to use as though you are him. You're so high level, we got to give you a third part of the Trinity as the down payment. Now remember, the Holy Ghost is the power behind everything that Jesus said. <clears throat> Not in the Bible, period, forever. That's the down payment. The down payment is somebody who never had a beginning and never had an end. And the things are so high level, that they can't even be prayed in words. That has to be prayed in this unknown, strange language. That's how high level it is, is that the Holy Ghost has to pray it out. And the longer you pray in this mysterious language called tongues, the more you'll pull that book into planet Earth and just walk in it. The more you pray in tongues, the more the future comes to you. I didn't decide to go to Nigeria. If you had to ask me, I would have went some other place. Did I finish reading it? Oh, no, here's. He knows that, for example, we don't know what to pray for as well. The Holy Spirit prays with us or for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Hey. Pull up this graphic as we go ahead and close. <laughs> really, tonight was just me helping you understand who the Holy Spirit is for real. We still can't understand them. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. People believe they have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and 
and they're saved and don't know that they have a person on the inside of them that would tell them anything, including the future. They don't know that a down payment for their inheritance on the other side is on the inside of them. You know why? Because all they do is see Sister Lucy over in the corner doing the Holy Ghost dance because she caught the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Sister Lucy. All I'm saying is that's not the Holy Ghost. That's Sister Lucy. Sister Lucy is happy. Nothing wrong being happy. How many of you are happy? You might dance too. I mean, people hit the lottery. They get a brand new car. They get married. They do all type of strange things when they're happy. Shouldn't have said that, but you know. Graphic. God will reward the child who gave to the missions offering the money she saved for a softball mitt. He'll reward the teenager who kept himself pure despite all the temptations. He'll reward the man who tenderly cared for his wife with Alzheimer's. He'll reward the mother who raised the child with cerebral palsy. He'll reward the child who rejoiced despite his handicap. He'll reward the parent who modeled Christ to their children and the children who followed Jesus despite their parents' bad example. He'll reward those who suffered while trusting him and those who hold the ones who were suffering. He'll reward a couple who downsized, selling their large house to live in a small one to give all the money away to missions. The list goes on, but the reward's gone forever. You're going to get a reward for all of these things. That book does a very good job of kind of putting into categories the reward system. It's the main and most important thing after accepting Jesus. Yet we have very few men that are teaching or have written books on it. So we're going to have to do a better job of just studying it because it's really insane. God gave you all of the answers to the test in order to get your full reward. And most people don't even know the answers are right there in front of them because they've never been told. The Bible says, how will you hear without a preacher? It's a very dangerous thing. You can bypass a preacher, but just for some reason, people will only believe it if one of us say it. And that's very dangerous. I wasn't raised that way. I was, I was, I was raised to ignore them. But and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so bold today is because it's one thing my dad taught us is that he taught us to not pay attention to what these preachers are saying. He said, if it's not in this book, he said, don't be listening to them. I mean, even my previous pastor, he would say, I don't forget the first time he got my attention, he said, he stood up and he said, never believe the word of a preacher. He said, if he can't show it to you in the Bible all over a place, he said, it's opinion. You're under no obligation to receive anything that he says. So those little lessons like that, I'm not impressed by, you know, men of women of God. I'm not impressed by that at all. Okay. Just not. Jesus wasn't. I'm not. You actually think Jesus impressed with me? You think he's sitting up there taking notes on my sermon? <laughs> Next graphic. The Bible is clear that rewards can be lost or forfeited. That's why 2 John 1.8 says, Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Revelation 3.11. You got to read scriptures like this carefully. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Last time I checked, crowns are only for kings. All right, this is Jesus talking. No one takes. There is something waiting for faithful people on the other side that is so mind-blowing. All they can do is give you about 15 titles. We can't tell you what it is, but what it is takes 15 titles. We can't tell you what it is. 
All we can tell you now is that you are light. You are sons of light. You are the salt of the earth. You are more than conquerors. You are one with Christ. You are lions. That's all we can tell you right now because what's waiting for you to undecide requires all of those titles and it requires all of those natures in those titles in order for you to do what we already got set up for you. That's why the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us the future. We want him to just have church services. I have to be totally honest with you. I barely like my church. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying I'm so tired of just, y'all know what I mean by that. You're like, what is wrong with you? I'm just saying that I just can't stomach the stuff that's on social media concerning the church. It's like the whole thing is just being done wrong. You know, we had a meeting today. We really are getting ready to flip this thing. But in order to flip it, I mean, it's taking some work for us to look and flip it the right way. And I mean, it's just crazy. So I expect nobody, hey, I'm keeping my ground. How about you? You can get somebody else's crown too. Last graphic, second to the last. The, when we stand before the Lord, the small will be great. The forgotten will be remembered. The unnoticed will be crowned and the faithful will be honored. Your day is coming. What the world has overlooked, your father has remembered. And sooner than you can imagine, you will be blessed by him. God forgets nothing. And there are a lot of little small things that you think are insignificant. God watches that. I don't know why the Lord brought this to my attention. I think he brought it to my attention about things that we have done that are just major. I want to be careful when I share the story. But I was at a church one time. And you know how you have guest speakers, and guest speakers will sometimes give out books? Yeah. Well, at this particular church, she was giving out books, and instead of waiting, people, people began to just run down and just kind of, give me the book, give me the book, give me the book. So this young lady, she just came down because before the lady had the book up, she just wanted that book. She came down, and, uh, and the pastor went off. You know, if anything, a pastor should laugh at that. Look at my current congregation members. They try to get the free books. Not him. I mean, he tore into that girl so bad. Man, he tore into that girl. I mean, he when I, I mean, he did it in front of the entire church. And this is not in a little small. You know, I'm talking about thousands of people. He tore into that girl. Man, he tore into that girl. And she, I mean, she was right here. And I mean, he and he's standing right there. And and she, he tore. Ooh, when I say he tore into that girl. The girl was in another dimension. She went back to her seat and she was just sitting there like this, like she was in shock. Tears just coming down her eyes. Tears just coming down her eyes. And it's so important for you to ask the Lord to give you a good heart. You know, all of those individuals, you know, I'm sure they had different thoughts. I'm sure that there were some that had the Pharisee spirit. That's right. She wasn't supposed to get up. Jesus saw her hunger to get a book so she could learn. Either way, Holy Spirit told me, Simple. Go to the bookstore, get the book for her, and give it to her. I got it right out of my seat, and I went to the bookstore, got the book that she wanted, came back to my seat, and she was still in that zone, and I just handed her the book, and it broke. I think the Lord brought that to my attention yesterday because those are things like that that you get a huge reward for because had not the Holy Spirit given me that instruction, maybe that girl would have left God. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, but, but that moment showed her that, number one, not all men are like that. Number two, 
the Lord saw her. And then I know the pastor, he made you feel like you were just nothing. But I saw what he did. And I'm going to show you how much I love you by making another person, you know. And, and those, are, those are huge things, y'all, to God. It's, God just loves everybody. He doesn't want anybody to feel bad. You got to learn how to just be a person of goodness all the time because it's the right thing to do is to be good. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So next week. We're going to pick up, we can put up this graphic. Next week, we're going to pick, next, next week, this Saturday, we will pick up with, since we're talking about faithfulness, rewards can be lost in three main ways, by default, defect, and disqualification. Those are the main three ways that you can lose rewards. Again, God has given us the answers to the test, you know, and, but apparently the reward system, this, this is very, very, see, the problem is this. This is where I'm done. The Bible says two things that are very mysterious. Got to stop calling them strange. They're mysterious. One, it says that our father, the scripture makes it clear that we have an inheritance with God. You know, and it says we have a joint inheritance with Jesus Christ. Problem is people say, hallelujah, we got an inheritance. Not me. I'm not hallelujah and nothing. I'm sitting there. Wait a minute. I understand what inheritance is. It means I get everything you own. Now, here's the problem. If all that God created was the universe, that's still too much. See, so apparently all of these titles, we, you have no idea to comprehend what God has for us on the other side. And yet it's so big. See, let me tell you how God thinks. You would be satisfied with a planet. God wouldn't be satisfied with that. He would only be satisfied if you got the whole universe. And we have a very low-level way of thinking that we, in our, our religiosity, well, you know, I'm just satisfied I get to heaven. How you know you've been there? One of the things that this book did bring out, it says that, they said the reward system is more like a graduation. Everybody is happy that they graduated, but at that moment, you realize you could have done better. Because others are getting greatly rewarded and honored. But they said, but the situation is not one of gloom. It is one of joy. You just have little moments where you kind of recognize, well, I kind of really messed up. I could have done this. I couldn't have done that. So it's very hard to understand. All I'm saying is, is that I want you all to get that book. And do me a favor, Bree, and put the book back up, because I'm sure we have people that joined us a little bit later. Um... I was very, very, it was, it's just an excellent read. And it just put me in the mode of, you got to live this thing for real. I got to walk out the door and remember that my, the moment I wake up, my reward system started. And then the moment you go to bed, your reward system starts. And then watch this. Then they give you a dream. And because you don't write down the dream and seek what the Lord is saying, now you've lost some more rewards. And guess what? Most people don't even know that God, every dream is God speaking to them. Even the ones you call nightmares. So, you know, so I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm appalled at the body of Christ. But I am greatly um, excited because I know this is already getting ready to really getting ready to be a new dimension in my life. I don't need other people to do anything in order for me to get my reward. 
I don't need other people to be faithful. I don't need the church to be large. I don't need to even, I don't need to be a pastor. I don't need to be seen. Whether I'm seen or unseen, God is seeing everything. You understand what I'm saying? But you do got to say, you know what? I got to get myself together. You got to really ask yourself if the reward system is based on what the old folks say, only what you do for Christ will last. You got to really ask yourself, can you justify spending more time with television than you do in the word or praying? Well, I don't know how to pray. Ask somebody. I don't pray in tongues. Ask us to teach you, not teach you, for pray with you so you can receive the gift of praying in other tongues. I was listening to a man today, um, uh, and he brought up another pastor on this stage, and this pastor, he prays seven hours every night. Seven hours, mostly in tongues. Boom, boom, praying, 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 praying. And the pastor that brought him up, he said, do any of you know him? He said, no. He said, neither do I. He said, but these are the type of guys, he said, that hold nations together in private. Yes, yes, right. While you sleeping, they're destroying the kingdom of darkness. And the nation has not broken and gone down the sewer yet because of men like him. And nobody knows him, but heaven knows his name more than yours. While you're watching TV, this dude, man. And when you, and I said, you're going to be, you're going to be very interesting because I can guarantee you most of the people, if not almost all of the ones that will get the greatest rewards are the ones that no one knows. I'm, t- I'm telling you, read the final quest by Rick Joyner. Okay. So I don't know where to stop. I'm getting ready to stop, but I don't know where to stop. I sometimes wish I could take what's in here and put it in your heart. I wish I could take what's in my mind, what's in my eyes, and what's in my ears and put it on you, but I can't. You got to do your own work. I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible. I'm trying to make it accessible as possible. That's why I don't read books and not tell you and then just preach it to seem deep. When I do that, I lost my reward. You want to look deep in the eyes of the people or you want to look deep in the eyes of God? I don't think I've hardly ever finished a book first before I told you to start reading it. And then there are times when Satan has put stuff in my mind. You know, you need to keep this to yourself. Why? It wasn't written to me. (laughs) I mean, these are real things. And so the enemy is going to be always planting thoughts in your mind to try to get you to lose your reward. How you treat your spouse is a major one. There's a lot of people that have lost rewards because of how they treat their spouse, how you talk to your spouse. Well, if they hadn't have done what? The same thing you do? It's no reason to be rude. It's no reason to be unkind. Unfortunately, when it comes to spouses, sometimes they treat strangers better than their own husband and wife. It's no reason. And, and remember, the judgment system is not a ju- yo. Your judgment is not whether or not you're getting into heaven or hell. So a lot of Christians are scared of the judgment. The judgment is to see how many rewards can you get. Let's see what you did. Let's see how much you get. We gave you the formula that you didn't look at. We gave you the answers that you didn't read. (laughs) And we gave you everything. So let's see how much of it you put into practice. And see, this seems strange because now this lets you know that you can find out what the answers are and then do them on purpose. You can spend an hour in prayer. But if I do another hour, I'm going to get rewarded more. I've been out here on the street talking to people about Jesus and the church. Been out here for two hours. 
but I could get more rewards if I stay out here for four. I mean, you should see what the Bible says about how you handle your employer. It says that pretend, it says to pretend like your employer is Jesus so that you don't lose your reward. Do you know what it even says? Be careful how you treat your pastor. It says, let him pastor you with joy and not sorrow because it wouldn't be good for you because you lose your reward. But then the deeper reward, they got this quote out there where if there are, when you go to heaven, if there's a line for the ministers and a line for the people, get in the line for the people because the one for people goes quicker. Because the Lord got to talk to ministers about a great many things. Please don't ever desire my position. The Bible says I get judged different than you. Everything that comes out of my mouth since I started this church. I don't like that. <laughs> Lisa, like, I don't know. I mean, I want you to think about that. Everything that I have told y'all for 10 years, the Lord is going to bring it to my attention. And I get profit or loss. That's why some people came here. He read too many scriptures. Scripture, 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 scripture. Because mm -hmm. when I stand before Jesus, I want him to read what he said, not what I said. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay, I remember y'all early on, some of y'all remember, early on, most, well, some of y'all were here when I was so negative against other preachers, it got to the point where I was actually going to give the congregation member a stop sign. And every time I said something negative about preachers, they had to put up a stop sign. I really recognize it because certain people in the congregation said, hey, we understand that you got burned, but you just talk about it too much. Okay. Um, but then I really realized it was a problem when I started hearing congregation members say stuff that I knew they only got from me. And it wasn't good. So guess what? So guess what? I shared some things that caused you to behave a particular way that makes you lose your reward. Therefore, I got to lose twice as much because you got it from me. So don't want to be so, you only want to be a minister if the Lord sends you, you know, some doves and some angels, Batman, Superman, standing right there with Wonder Woman. We're all here to let you know that you have been called to the ministry and you still want to be like Moses. Are you sure? <laughs> you want to be like Jesus. Can this cup pass for me? I'm serious. You know, and what most, what most I, I really do believe that most pastors had a good intention. The problem is, is that their pride didn't let them understand the dark side. What destroys most people in ministry is the dark side. They don't know how to fool with Satan. They so easily live wrong because the gift operates while you're living in sin. And let me, let me make myself clear. When y'all hear me say something, things about the gift, I'm not talking about anybody in this house. The people in this house are good. Trust me on that one. Okay. And they, they more than good. But, but outside. <sighs> and right now the church is impressed by gift. They're impressed because somebody can tell you what's going to happen in two weeks. You, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and like I said, you got to be careful with some of the prophetic gifts because a lot of these people out here, all they do is tell you what's going to happen next week, but they never get anybody healed. They never get anybody saved. The Bible says the gift can work while you're a sinner. You know why? I can have three women on the side and the gift will still work. You know why? Because the gift is for you, not for me. But while I got three women on the side, the gift is also destroying me. That's why some men just drop all of a sudden, get exposed all of a sudden, have problems all of a sudden. Can't even find them on nowhere. You can't find them nowhere. You can't find the address. Can't find them on social media. Nowhere. Because the gift, if you're not living clean, it already, it already uses you up if you live it right. 
If you're living right, it uses it up. You have no idea sometimes how I feel. Now, it's because of my own fault. I have to learn to do something. Or Robert said, he said, every minister, after they minister, should pray in tongues for about 30 minutes to build yourself back up. If you don't, sometimes it feels like the only way to explain it is it felt like someone stuck a syringe in my bone marrow and sucked it out. It's a different type of tired. It's a different type of tired, different type. And that's if you're living clean. I don't know how these guys survive if they're living wrong. And the Lord will turn on that gift to, to minister to you, to give you an answer because he loves you. And he'll go right out the pulpit and get in the car with some other woman. I don't know why I'm saying that. And because the gift is working, he thinks God is cool with the other woman. But you don't get judged based on gift. You get judged based on the book. <laughs> Thou shalt not have a second wife unless the first one passed away. And even then. You might want to think twice. <laughs> y'all got me? We're going to turn the tables on this, y'all. Because right now, these people outside these doors, that we're going to quadruple in five months. And these people are not trying to hear church. They're not, I need to know what I'm supposed to do to make it to heaven and to have power down here. If you can't tell me that, I'm going to Burger King. I don't know why I use fast food restaurants all the time. You know what I'm saying? But you get my point. What you coming to church for and you ain't learning nothing. Let's go ahead and stand. Hallelujah. That was an amazing. You got to read the Bible carefully. You got to read what it says about you carefully. I love Revelation. I love to listen to what the angels said about us in Revelation. They said, finally, Satan is destroyed because the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. He accused them before God day and night. It's crazy. You know, Satan knows what's on the other side. And that's why he's going to attack you, whether you're right or wrong, whether you're up or down. Whether you're mature or you just started, he's going to attack you with all his strength because he just can't understand why God would not forgive him and create another being and give that being what he once had. There are a lot of things that we don't know about the world that existed before Adam. It's a lot of things. Even the scientists will tell you that the asteroid belt that is around, uh, what is that planet? Saturn? They said it's obvious. It just looks like rays of light. It's not rays of light. It's a bunch of rocks that are just in a gravitational circle or, you know, whatever you call it. And they said it's obvious that they got out there because of some explosion. It's a very mysterious thing. God does things in threes, and this is the third planet from the sun. And it's the only place that has life that we know of. It's weird. It's mysterious. It's the only planet. And not only does it have life, it's full of it. Every other planet is just empty, dry, dark, etc. You'll, you'll find out when you get to this books of heavens, some of these planets, some of these planets, Lucifer had control over. He set up kingdoms in some of these places. Okay, it's a reason why they're empty. And not only are they empty, they're empty like something happened. So we're stuck right in the middle of a love story and right in the middle of a war. And this eternal story that God is creating has a slight pause called planet earth 
We want this story to continue because when God creates, he creates forever and it never stops. We need more kings. Jesus. I mean, you know the Holy Ghost is saying some stuff. We need more kings for the eternal future. We need more priests. We need more conquerors. We need more gods. We need more sons of light. And we'll make them. Jesus. He had planned on there being billions of them, but Adam messed that up. Had Adam never sinned, there'd be trillions of sons right now. Literally, if he had never sinned. Because if he had never sinned, men can't die and women can have a baby once a month. And nobody dies. Adam and Eve are today still just as young as they were 6,000 years ago and still cranking out children. Still cranking them out. Because God was trying to create more kings. I, I got some future stuff that I need to create. And I need people. Jesus. So, maybe he hasn't come yet because we ain't hit the number yet. I need at least, I need at least a base number real question is Bible calls Jesus the firstborn of many brethren if he's my brother why can't I do what he does if I'm God's son how come I can't do what the one who sits on the throne does is it possible that not only are you kings gods sons of light salt of earth more than conquerors and lords is it possible that you also be a creator a simple natural order you cannot be a son of someone and not be just like that someone. Religion has tricked us out of who we are, what we can do, and what is reserved for us. It's just about coming to church and listening to a dry sermon that you can't apply to your life about how to, how, how to have a good life. I don't need a good life. I need a life that's going to prepare me to be a king. And that's just something you hear me, you know, I didn't really... I teach it more and more. You hear it coming out of me more and more. Kings, 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 kings. So, how many are you glad that God saved you? He saved you to be weak. He saved you to be more than strong. Let's lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. And we praise you. We bless you. We magnify you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah. One day and one day soon. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know what the ceremony is like when God makes us kings. What does the music sound like? How many people bow when God enthrones you? We have more than a glorious future more than a glorious future eyes haven't seen it ears haven't heard it heard it neither has it entered into your imagination what God has in store for those that love him no matter what we think of God said it's never entered your imagination you can't think that high what we got for you just know all your titles will be used in one slot who am I on the other side Jesus. Father, we give you thanks and praise, give you glory and honor. Thank you, Lord God.
Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have made us to be. We don't know why, one day we will. But you are more than good, more than awesome, more than a wonderful father. Truth be told, oh Lord God, we don't know who you are. No one knows, oh Lord God, who you are, why you are, why you do the things that you do. So we just give you thanks because what you do is good, what you do is wonderful, what you do is more than mind-blowing. So we just accept it. We just walk in it. Choose to obey it. <laughs> and as the old folk run on to see what the end will be, this will be a glorious end. Thank you, Lord God. Help us to be constantly God inside minded and aware as we go about our responsibilities every single day, knowing that we're being watched and recorded. Not to be pounded upon and not to be judged, but to see what we're doing every day that is worthy of rewards. So I thank you, Lord God. Blessing out of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.